everybody we are live nice to see you so big shout out to my mom it's her birthday and uh she made me this shirt uh which is which is awesome and i promised her i would wear it today happy birthday mom um the zoom doesn't allow you to really see it as well but i wanted to start off the video giving her that love because if your mom can't get that love who who possibly can anyway okay so with that being said, we'll just double check two things here and get on with it today. What we are getting into today is interest groups and ABO targeting and uh, sorry, interest group targeting and ABO bidding. Things that were basically kind of we, we moved away from and have been considered sort of obsolete, but are making their way back. Why are they making their way back? Are they actually valuable for you? Are they something that you should seriously consider? And what should we do with it moving forward? So we're going to get down to all of that stuff right now. I'm super excited. I hope you are too. If you find value in any of this stuff, it would mean the world to me if you could share me with one of your friends. Um, you know, sharing is caring. And people, the, all these platforms love to have as many folks interested as we can. And engagement is key. So if you like things, ask questions or just say thank you. Um, like stuff when you see it. Subscribe if you want to make sure that you don't miss any of these um, we're going to start doing these master classes a couple times a week. Um, and I'm super, just super excited for that. And if you want to get in on making sure that your questions are even being asked, um, or answered, that'd be great. Hey, I'm seeing some members from the Facebook disruptor school in here. There's an MBA program member. Somebody just joined the Patreon. This is awesome. I, I love it. Okay. With all that being said, uh, I drank my coffee. Let's get to it. Happy birthday, mom, once again for this great chart. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll stand up for one second so you can just see. Boom. Right? Hi, I'm Charlie. Whatever. There we go. Thank you, mom. Okay. So with that being said, uh, I won't tell you her age, but um, thank you, mom. Okay. So interest group. So we've been seeing interest group targeting on Facebook coming back and, and really not necessarily in something that you should be doing, but in something that people are talking about a lot. So let me first dive into why that's happening and then talk to you about the value of it and where it comes from. So with the introduction of Aggregated Events Manager, AEM, which is what people should really be talking about. And coincidentally, at the same time, we also had iOS 14. Now, iOS 14 is blamed for a lot of what's going on, but also the bigger issues that Facebook has readjusted inside of their algorithm, how they're collecting data and how that machine learning is using that data. So basically, our employee is learning a new skill. So as a result, the way that we've had to rely on things may, might change because we have less data. Now, that's very key. We have less data than we used to around people's customer journeys. And we can optimize towards less events because we're really trying to prioritize to a very set few of very important things that our business partner thinks is valuable. Prioritizing above all else, interest and customer experience on Facebook. So those are the two backdrops that we're really going to get into. Now, interest groups are making a return because in, in interest and conversation, oddly enough, uh, because it is something that can work and it's a pivot for folks. It's something that people have relied upon and it's something that ultimately folks have seen before and that may or may not have worked for them. Now, the honest truth is we've known interest groups have basically been obsolete at scale for several years now. Um, I've been preaching since 2017 that you should be going broad and it's great to see some of the other 
gurus and experts out in the world uh, kind of, you know, quoting me from three years ago, but it is the way you should be going. And prioritizing your ads is absolutely what you should be doing. The better the ad, the better the customer, the better your business will be, not just on Facebook, but across the whole board. But let me get down to you first. Where did interest groups come from? Why did they work? Why are they obsolete and why are people using them now? So interest groups were originally brought into Facebook back when Facebook was a pay-per-click platform. Before there was a Facebook pixel, before we had conversion objectives, when it was basically page-like engagement and clicks. Back when Facebook had to compete with Google, they made ad products that were very akin to the way that Google was doing things. That's where we get lookalikes and actalike audiences. Interest groups are basically Facebook's response to affinity audiences. Now, initially, that's what we did. And back in the day, you used to buy uh, other targeting audiences from other vendors. So credit card companies and customer research and, and big business would sell you all of their information, and that cost a premium. You would pay extra on your CPMs. So it might be an extra 25 cents or an extra dollar for your CPMs to acquire these different audiences from Oracle or from Visa or from whoever. So interest groups were a great way for Facebook to compete with that, where they could charge you a premium on your CPMs to use them. You still pay a premium on your CPMs to apply any bit of targeting. They're just not very upfront with it in the way that they used to be because nobody understands how this stuff, very few people have been around long enough to understand how all this stuff works and the way that it functions. Now, with that being said, once the Facebook pixel was introduced, which for the record was actually a bigger apocalypse moment than iOS 14, it was the end of days for people because they started to have to treat the customer journey with respect and not just pound inventory at cheap CPMs. Facebook was no longer a display network. It was no longer a search network with keyword targeting, which is what interest groups were originally designed to be. It was actually a, we have to make a customer journey and care about somebody and optimize our business model. Now, what ended up happening was it got so good at that because we introduced the edge rank system, which meant that you no longer, there was an algorithm, right? You no longer saw Instagram content because it was posted and you didn't see it in like chronological order. You know, you started to see things uh, in a very different way on the platform. And what happened is Facebook got better and better and better at showing people content that Facebook thought that those people would like to see, which is absolutely what they're all about. Remember, it's eyeballs. They sell eyeballs for profit, right? They sell attention. That's their objective. So what happened is the system got better and better and better at doing that. Now, as a result of getting better and better and better at doing that, old versions of targeting and old versions of trying to uh, manage your media, like keywords and affinity audiences got less and less valuable because you were able to prioritize the customer experience and ultimately see continuous performance that was scalable and stable and reliable. What happened was people started to really lean into all of this stuff because Facebook got so smart that you could run a bad business model but just throw money at Facebook and you would see extra success. And that was great. In 2016, 17, 18, 19, so many people got on the platform just throwing money with a bad business model and pretty scammy ads and just making money because the attention was so cheap 
that they could take advantage of it. Now, what happened is the price of that attention continues to go up. Also with iOS 12 and CCPA and all these other acronyms you don't really need to care about, the cost of the inventory continued to rise. Also the effectiveness of just prioritizing abusing the customer and not respecting Facebook's business objectives became more and more of a liability. That's why we started to see more and more ad accounts get blocked, more and more of things get shut down. So ultimately what happened is we really, really starting like 2017, 2018, basically started to preach, just go broad, prioritize creative testing, work on your business model. The brands that worked on that have been doing phenomenally well. The brands that avoid that struggle constantly. Their CPMs go 60, 70, 80, $100 or more. There's, they can't seem to get any stability. They can't get anything to work. And so what happened is with iOS 14 dropping, and remember the more important thing, the aggregated events manager, which is the biggest change inside the algorithm since the invention of the pixel. It's basically the algorithm has changed three times since I got in the game 10 years ago. What that meant was we had to prioritize more and more getting customers to take actions that we wanted by showing them content that they wanted to see. So because of this struggle, we are seeing more and more people focus in on interest groups. And at said budget optimization, we'll get to that in a minute. Basically, these old things that have been proven not to work, trying to focus on them now. Now, when I say they've been proven not to work, what I mean is they can work. They can be functional for you. Interest group targeting is not terrible in that you can use it. Where it works for you is if you are relying on Facebook to drive sales, but you cannot get out of the learning phase, then interest groups can be helpful because at least then you are able to focus your ads towards somebody that may or may not feel positively about something, but at least they know about it. Now, remember, interest groups don't track sentiment. You might hate something, talk about it all the time, and you're going to see ads about it because you are in that interest group. And when you show people ads on things that they don't like and they start to talk smack in the ads, give you negative feedback, block things, your costs go up because you are a liability to Facebook's business objective of keeping people on the platform. The average person swipes the height of the Eiffel Tower on a daily basis. So you have to remember your job is to keep them on the platform and ultimately do that in a way that that positively affects your business model. So what we're talking about here is it can work. If you do not have the infrastructure to properly test your creative copy and headlines at scale, which small plug inside the Facebook ads MBA program, we absolutely deep dive into my system called Golden Bear, where we test the estimated action rate of every single piece of your system. And if you do not have a system to work your way all the way through every one of these pieces, and you are just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, interest groups can absolutely help because you are not prioritizing the customer experience. You do not have the budget in order to run things at scale so that you can leave the learning phase and you need every leverage that you can. But basically you're hiring an expensive salesperson to go buy money at a very bad exchange rate. And it's very unreliable. It's very unstable and it's very costly. So it's not efficient. It's not something you can rely on for a long period of time. And it's something that ultimately is going to give you a low profit margin. And here's the other thing. Most folks that go down the rabbit hole of going off of interest groups are actually testing a ton of audiences. So maybe your interest group does really well today. 
But if you're running 10 different audiences and one of them does really well and nine of them do terribly, that one that does really well has to do so well that it pays for all the other ones. And then what happens? Well, it did great for two or three days. So I threw all my money at it. And then it stopped working, one, because it wasn't actually stable, two, because it worked only when you spent a little bit of money on it, and three, when you scaled 10 times the amount of budget, your bid algorithm, uh, the algebra of bid, a budget, and estimated action rate got destroyed. So you got lucky in one place, then threw all of your resources behind getting lucky, and then lost it all because you were not actually building on a strong foundation. What happens is out of context wins become what you react to so that you would become extremely stressed out and waste a lot of time and money and basically chase your tail, losing more and more often and wasting more and more money working harder and harder and harder. So ultimately, the too long didn't read of all of this is, yes, interest groups can work. No, they are not scalable. Yes, they've been obsolete for years. And if you want to use them, understand at a very high level, what you're doing is paying an expensive salesperson to go out and win for a short period of time to buy money at a very bad exchange rate. Now, why are interest groups also trash? And why should you not really ever lean into them? And why, no matter what anybody says, will that not change? Here's the number one reason why interest groups are not something you should really ever consider, no matter what anybody says, no matter what change happens, unless we hear something dramatically different otherwise. It's a legacy product. The engineering team at Facebook has not changed the code for how interest groups are built and function in the algorithm in over five years. Basically, it's this thing that they still have because it makes it easy for people to jump in. And remember, there are plenty of people that use interest groups where making money isn't their objective. People spend a lot of money on link click campaigns and engagement campaigns and view campaigns and all sorts of other things. But if leads or conversions are your objective, it's a very inefficient place, but there's a lot of people where it's actually really useful to them. Also, there are a lot of marketers that use interest groups for market research. For instance, I used to work, one of my biggest clients was CBS television, and I would spend a million dollars a day for them. And we would target a bunch of different interest groups to see who liked what we had to say, who was interested in that show, so that we could sell ad space during the commercials on that show. Now, I might spend a million dollars that day on that program, but we know what commercials to sell to which retailers and which advertisers across the country so that $1 million we spent today might make 10, 20, $50 million in ad spend on television, which is a massive profit margin. So I'll gladly spend a million dollars a day to figure out how to make 50 million, but you're going to have to compete with me with your hundred dollars a day, with your thousand dollars a day, with your $5,000 a day, where you're not even investing in making sure that that ad runs in a long term fashion and respect your business model. So understand the reason it doesn't work is because the platform doesn't want to invest in it because ultimately it does not serve the platform's business objective. Focusing in on interest groups 
limits the ability for Facebook to show your advertising to the person that wants to see it. And an interest group does not measure positive or negative sentiment. So it is full, generally speaking, 20 to 50% of an interest group might be people that don't like something. There are things that are really popular. Topics on Twitter trend because everybody hates something. Well, that interest group on Facebook is full of people that hate it. And if you're targeting that audience to sell something, you are a burden on Facebook's bottom line of keeping attention. So interest groups are bad. They're not likely to change. And it is not on the radar of any engineer or product person that I know at Facebook to address because there are much bigger, more important problems for them to work on. And ultimately, it's a legacy product. It's something they built 10 years ago that they stopped working on five years ago. And there's nothing that's going to change inside of their business objective to change that because it doesn't meet their business objectives. It is not good for their business to work on that when there are much bigger, more important things to work on. So that being said, interest groups, there's a reason that they do work and there's a reason why you should never use them and why they are not going to get any better anytime soon, if ever. So that is interest groups. Now, ad set budget optimization. I just want to cover on this for really quick. People are really relying on this tool. Now, first off, you should be using CBO 90% of the time. That's not something that should be at a question. But why is ad set budget optimization working for people? And it really happens for three reasons. Number one, they're not running evergreen creative. They're not running ads that can last for months or years. They're working on, can I get lucky today? Can I throw more money at that tomorrow? And when I burn it out in three or four days and I work harder and harder and harder, more and more hours of every day, spending more and more money to make less and less profit, when I'm going that route, can I maximize that effort? Can I use hard work and stubbornness to at least keep my business afloat because I'm not interested in actually meeting Facebook's objectives. That's basically one of the strategies behind ad set budget optimization. The second is that if you're running so many things that none of them can leave the learning phase and you're trying to be reactionary to previous data, ad set budget optimization is great for you because it means that you can leverage hard work and trying to get lucky Basically, you can gamble your way to try to make money. Not sustainable, disrespects the platform, and ultimately will uh, cost you more and more money and take more and more of your time. That's not a question. And believe me, I used to quite literally sit down. It's funny. I've been, I've been taking these onboarding calls to the Facebook Ads MBA program. And like I, I tell folks, like, look, I've been there. I understand. You know, four or five years ago, I would sit down with a Trenti iced coffee. So a, a 30 ounce iced coffee or, or cold brew from, from Starbucks with no ice, put on my headphones and by force of will day trade my way to an extra five or $10,000 in profit that day. And in-house in, in at a business where we were doing, you know, a hundred, $200,000 revenue every day. I used to share my Shopify screenshots of 150,000, $300,000 days. And I got kicked out of Facebook groups left, right and center because everybody thought it was a scammer. Um, primarily because nobody understood that you could absolutely do that. And the advice that I was giving was what those people that were running those groups uh, had not yet learned. So they weren't yet teaching them. And it was really funny. One time I was on, I was at a convention that I had paid money to go see. And there was a guy on stage wearing a suit whose name is a 
an animal that flies, I'll put it that way. And he was taking one of my case studies and one of my courses that I had developed with Facebook, spending over $100,000 of Facebook's money to define and literally reading my slides off that he had reorganized on stage, recorded it for 45 minutes and sold that as a course for $700 to people, branding it under his own right after kicking me out of his group six months after I had been preaching that type of strategy for a long time. That was what we call bucket-based CBO for interest group and audience targeting for making engagement and market research that he turned into cloud CBO for selling products. And ultimately, he completely missed the boat on why the thing worked, but he 100% got the boat on making a shit ton of money capitalizing on other people's work. Now, the last place where ad set budget optimization is a good idea and where I actually do use it, is in retargeting if I have the budget and the infrastructure to take on the luxury problem that is retargeting because 90% of advertisers have no need to ever do retargeting campaigns. Facebook's already doing it for you. Um, I got a lot of videos on why retargeting is trash. And if you have more questions, I'll gladly answer them. And, um, you know, if you want to know more stuff, there's a ton of videos on the YouTube. Plus, I've got several ebooks um, that go through why you don't need to do retargeting because Facebook's already doing it for you. But if you do want to take on that luxury problem because you do need to address this incrementality into your business, you can absolutely use ad set budget optimization to maximize daily frequency by audience to address certain specific things. Or maybe making money isn't your objective, in which case... Ad set budget optimization might be completely what you need to do because that's how you want to manage things instead of having 10 different campaigns. You want one campaign with 10 different ad sets because conversions or lead gen isn't something that's important to you at all, in which case that's absolutely great. But most people don't come to me because they're doing market research. Most people come to me because they want to run a seven or eight figure business. And they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they're frustrated with being frustrated all the time. And they don't want to be taken advantage of by some other person that doesn't know what they're doing. That's three or four years behind best practices. It's ultimately just quoting things that I did years ago, trying to act smart. All that being said, the too long didn't read from today. Interest groups work in isolation, but not at scale. And they will never get better because Facebook is not investing any resources in improving them because it is an obsolete product and goes against their business objectives. Number two, ad set budget optimization ultimately is a way for somebody to take on the responsibility of getting work done. And basically is you saying, I'm smarter than Facebook. I know that Facebook is designed by thousands of engineers who are these are the smartest people in the world at this kind of thing, working hundreds and hundreds or thousands of hours, looking at trillions of data points across billions of people in real time. But I think that with lesser and lesser quality information and lower and lower access to data with a delayed result, I can absolutely um, gamble my way to beating the machine. And let me tell you this. You're going to lose every time. Every single time I have yet to see somebody prove that wrong. And I've been in the game for 10 years and I've spent hundreds of millions of dollars. And to be fair, it's been a long time since I've been in a room with somebody that could tell me otherwise. So that being said, 
There we go. I see some questions coming in and we'll absolutely do that. If you are on Clubhouse, raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook or Twitter, comment and we'll absolutely bring you up. I see some stuff from Matthew and some stuff from Lenny. Ken Savage is here. Hey, Ken, I remember talking to you, buddy. I think we got to, we might have something later on today, I think, me and you. Let me check my calendar. Anyway, with all that being said, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. This coffee mug brought to you by Coffee Dose. Great joint down in Costa Mesa, if you're ever in Los Angeles or in the Southern California area. Um, yeah, and with that, we'll open it all up some things. Also, we do have homework so that you can get a benefit. And if today's homework, if you do it, you can get, 50% off Facebook Disruptor School, or you can get 20% off any of the eBooks on FacebookDisruptor.com. So if you want 20% off any of the eBooks or to save 50% off the school, do this week's homework and DM me. By the way, but the school, we have a school. It comes with a ton of eBooks articles, videos, weekly masterclasses with me, with screen shares that happens right after this class every weekend. And you're in a community of other students. And we can have direct conversations with screen shares and deep dives and whatever else that you'd like to do. Basically, I'm the professor. There's a school. If you want to just have access to the library of that school, because you don't want to necessarily take on um, all of that, or it might be cost prohibitive, that's an option as well. Go to my site, They've got some nice buttons up there so you can 100% find your way through anything that you need to do. This week's homework is very simple. I try to make these really, really easy. This week's homework is simple. Two parts. Number one, are you currently using interest groups? If the answer is no, great. If the answer is yes, second part. Is that interest group something that you can spend Get out of the learning phase and spend money on the same ad for months. Are you able to use an interest group at scale, leave the learning phase and keep the same ad on for months? Yes or no questions. Question number one, are you currently using it? If the answer is no, hey, great, you've done your homework. If the answer is yes, second part, are you able to spend enough money to get that interest group out of the learning phase and run the same ads for months on it? Simple yes or no question, two-parter. If the first answer is yes, DM me, find me, comment, whatever it is you need to do. My socials are everywhere, and it's at, it's CT the Disruptor. There's a Facebook page. There's a Facebook group. There's a YouTube channel. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. There's even a TikTok with it. So find me anywhere. Give me that information. Do that homework, and you can save 50% off Facebook Disruptor School or get 20% off any of the eBooks, including the brand-new eBook, Don't Fight the Beast Part 2, Optimization a deep dive into how to optimize your Facebook ad account. Okay. With that being said, if you're on clubhouse, raise your hand. I see some questions coming in from YouTube, nothing coming in from Twitter today. That's fine. That's fine. It's Sunday. And I've been shit posting a lot of videos on Twitter. So I get that. And uh, some people coming in from Facebook. So with all of that being said, I'm going to take a quick sip. We'll let the things queue up and we will start it with Matthew's question on YouTube and then go to anybody else. I need to take in a deep breath. Drink this coffee, and we'll get to you. Okay, so first question comes from Matthew on YouTube. 
Matthew says, for some reason, all over YouTube Facebook videos, I'm seeing every rec everyone recommend tons of low-budget ad sets using interest groups more than ever. No idea why all of a sudden. I'll tell you why. Because the existing model of trying to run a sustainable campaign built around a limited number of ad sets and f a very few number of super high quality creatives built around a creative testing model to magnify a successful business model is something that is very hard for people to understand, especially if they came into Facebook when it was easy. And now they're chasing what is the what is the shortcut? What is the thing that means I don't have to run a good business? What is the thing that means I don't have to prioritize my business partner's objectives? Facebook is your business partner. How do I get a shortcut into disrespecting my customer and my partner while still making money? And that's why interest groups are so popular right now. Also, it works in a limited fashion. You can spend 50 bucks there and maybe make 100 but it's not going to be something that's going to leave the learning phase and let you run that same ad for weeks or months. And part of the reason it's the homework is if you are that person where it's working, great. But if you're trying them, I want you to see that it's not working like that for you. And ultimately, we want to have campaigns. I've got ads that are running that I built in 2018. You know, there's no such thing as the new best lookalike or what any of this other stuff. I've got campaigns and accounts that are three. I've got ad accounts that are spending 10, 20, $30,000 a day. And other ones that are spending five, $600 a day. There are like three campaigns with maybe four or five total ads running, plus some stuff in testing. I spend maybe 90 minutes a week managing them. And they're all successful. And there's a very specific reason why I can work very low amount of time to get a very highly reliable and successful outcome. And it's because I'm prioritizing my business partner's objectives and ultimately trying to spend money to magnify a good business model. That's where success comes from. There's no shortcut to running a good business and respecting your customer and your partners. Second question, this one comes from Lenny. Uh, and thank you, Matthew. He says, you're the only one that's a breath of fresh air, so to speak. So, hey, look. I appreciate it. I've been trying to do this for years. I started the Facebook group like five years ago doing this um, every week. And I just, I've just stuck with it. And, and honestly, I got into that because every single one of these gurus and everything, I, they, they started the Facebook groups and I joined them and I realized that they were all trash and everybody kept kicking me out because I was able to cite my own case studies that they were then selling. I was able to link people to free advice. I was undermining what people were selling because they were all basically shit advice by people that were not of great integrity. And people also thought that my screenshots and were, were complete spam. And I would literally like record myself, turn video on me, be like, hey, look, everybody, I just made a hundred grand and I'm gonna go out for lunch and then just show my screen on my computer and hit refresh, all sorts of things. People thought I was this magnificent, like graphical wizard and I'm garbage at graphics and design. I was just literally telling the truth and I did it over and over and over again. And I was a threat to their business model. So I started my own Facebook group and now we're here. Um, which by the way, if you want to learn how to monetize a Facebook group or anything else, I got a great video on that inside of Facebook inside of YouTube and more than welcome and would love for you to check it out. Um, next question comes from Lenny. Can you explain that? How Facebook does retargeting for you? Love this. Got a long video on it on Facebook, uh, sorry, on YouTube. And I, uh, did a series of videos that'll be coming out on Instagram with a partner here really soon 
But let me break it down for you in three simple ways. Number one, Facebook is interested in showing your content to the people that are most interested in that content. Now, that's probably somebody that's already seen your ad. They might have already engaged. They might have already been to your website. They might have already viewed a product page. They might have already added a cart. So Facebook is prioritizing who's most likely to see you. Complete strangers, probably a lower quality impression than somebody that's already interested. So they're retargeting your existing engagers, site traffic, and add to carts already. Inside of a broad audience is doing retargeting for you already. Number two, they're retargeting users from your competitors already. Now, again, long video inside of YouTube, but hey, look, I, I, I love it when, when I can say I'm going to answer it in a minute, but there's 15 minutes of it on YouTube if you want to check it out. With advanced matching, we're able to say, if anybody's interested in something, go check them out. So for instance, when I was running New Balance, when I didn't have to tell somebody that trainers existed, you know, that, 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 that sneakers were a thing. But if you went to Nike and to uh, Reebok and to, I don't know, some other company, and you were looking at red sneakers, Facebook knows you're in the market for red tennis shoes. And you didn't buy from other people. So you're probably a really good impression for me to show um, an ad to. So it's retargeting you because I have advanced matching on, which by the way is a click is a default button and part of the Power 5, which you should absolutely read and check out the Power 5. Don't let anybody sell you. Access to the Power 5 information is 100% free. And I'm very proud to be a part of the team that put that together. It's saying that you're interested in something because of the ads you've clicked on, because of the Facebook pixel events you fired on other websites all over the world. So Facebook's retargeting somebody because of their interest and their intent, even if it's not my product. So Facebook's doing that retargeting for you already. And I'll bring up a third point about retargeting. We know retargeting works. We know Facebook is doing retargeting for us. If Facebook didn't do retargeting, we wouldn't need to use exclusions in our ads. We wouldn't need to exclude purchasers, for instance. Why would we need to exclude somebody that already bought from us if Facebook didn't do retargeting anyway? We already know that Facebook is doing this. Prioritizing making one campaign work at the expense of another campaign and keeping them both dumb is a luxury problem. So... Facebook is already doing all of this stuff on our behalf because their business objective is to show your ad to whoever they can. And they'll show that ad to anybody in your audience. So the bigger your audience, the cheaper it is to reach people and the more likely you are to reach somebody that is really interested in what you have to say. Another reason why interest groups are trash. Um, this question comes from Yanel. No, no hand raising on, on Clubhouse Day. That's fine. That's fine. Hey, look, I got a ton of people inside of YouTube and, and we'll go from there. And feel free. No question is too small or too big. Um, Yanel, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably butchering the shit out of it. But that's okay. Yanel says, uh, why does every guru on the planet advise to use interest groups? Um, I'll tell you this. Because coming up with the next big idea is how you can sell something to somebody. Teaching folks how to succeed with principles that do not require new solutions on a regular basis is not a very long-term business model for folks that do not have the ability of maintaining good relationships. 
Also, there's a lot of people that claim to be experts because they got into a business when it was easy. And it is extremely simple for somebody to create fear and then sell a solution. Facebook has already created a situation which causes strain. And because things were difficult in the summer, which they are every single year, it was really easy for people to say, hey, look, uh, I've got a bright idea and it's working for me. They don't give you the context into why it's working in one place, but failing in 12 others. But hey, there's a reason why some people are scrapping to put things together and why other folks are spending hundreds of millions of dollars over their career. Um, the best folks, the best advertisers in the world will tell you to do one thing. The folks trying to come up will differentiate themselves by trying to do other ideas. And basically it means they haven't learned from the last couple hundred million dollars of mistakes that folks like me have made. Or my buddy Dennis, you, like he'll tell you to do the exact same thing. He'll also tell you to use interest groups for market research for his dollar day video strategy because he's not trying to make money on it because he's using it for market research and for intent. Smart guy, that Dennis Yu. Did an interview with him. Super excited for that to come out soon. Solid dude. Um, Jared's got some stuff. Oh, your mom's birthday yesterday also. Awesome. Um, yeah, love it. Jared's answering some questions. You know, says, what's the homework? The homework this week. And I do see, Jared, you raise your hand. We'll get to you in just a second on Clubhouse. Um, the homework, again, this week was, first question, are you using interest groups? The answer is no. Just DM me, hey, I'm not using interest groups. Boom, you've done your homework. Point number two is I am using interest groups. Okay, great. Are they something that you've gotten out of learning phase and are spending money on the same ad for months? Is it a stable, scalable, reliable solution for you? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, awesome. If the answer is no, well, you are like 99% of the other advertisers out there in the world. And hey, you've identified that liability in your strategy and um, now you know to not waste your time. And for doing that, you can save 50% off Facebook Disruptor School or get 20% off any of the ebooks on FacebookDisruptor.com, including the new ebook about optimization and a whole bunch of other things like creative testing, um, control campaigns, um, hacks, strategies, tools, all of the things that I do teaching it to you. All right, great. With that being said, I believe it is Jared's time here on Clubhouse. I'm going to raise my phone and then we're going to bring you to the stage. Old time pal, Jared, how are you doing, buddy? How's it going? Charlie, always a pleasure. So um, catalog sales or conversions? Catalog sales versus conversions. Love the question. So basically for greater, deeper dive so that folks understand what we're talking about, conversion campaigns are like optimizing towards pixel events. And then catalog sales, what we call DPA ads, um, show people a slew of products available from your product catalog, which is basically everything that you're featuring on your website. And then showing that to try to drive engage and to drive drive conversions. My honest opinion is number one, I love running DPA ads as retargeting. Um, especially if you don't have the ability to scale too much, it allows your prospecting ads to see the entire funnel, which they should be doing anyway, because an idea of a prospecting ad and retargeting ad is total bullshit. 
Um, also, it allows somebody that is interested in your product to see not only the things that they saw, so you're retargeting somebody with exactly what they showed interest in, even if it's not the product you were initially advertising, but also the other top selling products. It's that it's that YouTube people that were interested in this also like this, or sorry, the, the Amazon people that like this are also interested in this ad unit. Now, if you are able to get, if you have a strong brand identity and a few really strong products, you can also run that DPA, that catalog sales, as a full funnel prospecting broad campaign. We call this DABA, Dynamic Ads for Broad Audiences. Now, it wasn't always an available option inside of Facebook, but when you open up a DPA catalog sales campaign, there's a new box. It's on the right side. I guess it's not new now because it's been around for three or four years, but it wasn't there when I did the alpha for DPA ads for Macy's seven years ago or six years ago. But hey, it's there now. Um, those can absolutely be helpful for you. If your product is immediately identifiable, solves an extremely simple to understand solution and already has a great market fit. Um, brands that do this really well are generally really widely known. So like for instance, uh, Wish does this or Home Depot will do this or Nike or other brands where they've got several products and you already know what you want because they serve one of very many options. So for instance, we're talking about the sneakers. Um, also, clothing companies do this really well where they don't necessarily want to show you one of the t-shirts. They just want to show you all of their t-shirts. That's so, what I'm using it for, for my camo campaign right now. And there you go. They are well known. Yeah, there you go. So because it is a product line that people are going to be interested in and because you don't have to educate them on it and because you all you're doing is saying, I know you're already in the market for this thing, whether it's from me or from somebody else, here is a whole slew of things in this vertical and you can just pick which one you want to buy. Then in that case, it can absolutely work for you to bring in brand new customers or to take advantage of people that have not necessarily yet been to your site. Um. But so for that being said, I generally have a mix of both of them. Um, and it really is built around, I will run conversion campaigns to my flagship products where it might not be the product that makes me the most money. It might not be the product that is the highest or lowest cost, but it's the product where I can consistently bring in high quality customers at a projectable budget every month with a projectable outcome. And then I can run the rest of my business around capitalizing on that information. Um, and that is a big, big piece is that it is not just the thing that you make the most money on. It's not your best product. It's not your highest profit margin. It's the one where your ad to that audience delivers you a consistent result that is good for your business so that that entire campaign becomes a control element in your overall business model, which allows you to plan long term for it and capitalize with all of your other campaigns and your business model on all of that attention that comes in, because now you're driving the same type of customer on a consistent basis. Does that make sense? Totally. And one follow-up, sorry. Um, do you take that top five DPA and then put all of your uh, one campaign, one ad set and all of the DPA ads inside of that, inside of the ads there? Sorry, say that again. So the ad structure, one one major DPA campaign, and then the ad sets inside of that, so that's simplified. Yeah, I mean, for my DPA campaign, 
I rarely ever have more than two or three total audiences. Uh, if I'm running DPA full funnel, there's generally my broad, my performance-based lookalike, and then maybe a retargeted. Um, especially, so it might be, for instance, it might be uh, broad and then uh, my performance-based lookalike stack and then anybody that added to cart in the last seven days. Those are all reliable audiences where I'm going to for that business for in, in this example, um, see sales every single day. Every, audio, every ad set can get out of the learning phase and every one of them delivers me basically a consistent result, not necessarily every day, but every week I know how it's going to respond and I can build the rest of my business off of those control elements. You're the man. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Mind-blowing shit. Good job, Charlie. Oh, thank you so much, Jared. I really, really appreciate it, man. Um, stick around. I, I got some more questions here, and, and I love seeing you. One of these days, we're going to get you into some more stuff, man. I'm super excited. We're going to build you up. I know, I know. Trust me, I'm there. You know I'm all I know, there. I know. You know but hey, build me up. hey, hey, for what it's worth, you came in on YouTube and, and Twitter stuff. We got you to the point where you joined the where you got into the library. We're gonna get you to the yep. point where you join the school, and then we'll get you in the MBA I'm program. There. My goal I'm is to build you up else. so that you can be successful enough so you can take advantage of more things, continue to scale your education and your success. That's what this is all about. You are. You confidence and then I'm, I'm absolutely willing to scale up with you each time because each time I scale up my I see my clients scale up and then my confidence and then even inside of clubhouse my ability to be loquacious about this information it scales up too so thank you I love the the word of the day calendar use of loquacious all right great man uh, I got some more questions here so I'll bump you back down and if anybody else inside of clubhouse wants to ask a question do not be shy we've got another 10 15 minutes or so before I have to end this because I've got Facebook disruptor school lined up for uh, 1130 and maybe I want to have a little breakfast who knows okay next thing comes from let's see um Lenny says um do you have access to upcoming tools? Any high-level nuggets for future direction? Yeah, Lenny, um, I'm consistently testing new tools. Um, and I have historically as well. Uh, I was in the test for the lead gen ad unit, for instance. And, uh, I mean, I was using it to tell Facebook whether or not it was a good idea. And we used lead gen ads to sell, to put, to line up test drives for Nissan cars and ultimately ridiculously changed the way that most car dealerships function. Cause before then there wasn't somebody getting out and emailing uh, customers and lining up test drives on the internet. That was like a, a weird thing to do. And now most test drives happen because of, you know, not people just walking into a dealership. There's a relationship that happens and there's generally some in, in bigger dealerships, an entire department built around around that and then uh the dpa ads um i was there for the alpha of that and we had to we had to pay this australian ad agency fifty thousand dollars to build up an excel document just so that we could have a catalog for macy's of every product in every size and every single color with all the short descriptions long descriptions and price and it was ridiculous it took us like six weeks to get an excel spreadsheet put together so that we could then run ads but thankfully you know, Facebook gave us a hundred grand to run them and it worked. And so now that's a product that everybody gets to use. I've also been on the side of products that completely failed um, that nobody will ever get to see. 
Um, and, and so absolutely, like that is one of the things about being in the disruptor group that we do get access to all of these things. Um, and, and, you know, some, I'll, I'll give you two things that failed outright. One was um, Canvas ads. It worked great in testing, failed miserably uh, at scale. And another thing that was great was um, Facebook group pixels, pixeling Facebook groups like websites, um, which was super interesting. And you can still now use it for insight, but you can't use it in the same way that you would Facebook pixel for your website because of privacy concerns, because most people don't have Facebook groups that are large enough to get around the legal issues that Facebook has and ultimately have deprecated that entire project. But hey, fun things, wins, losses. That's what life is all about. Um, let's see. Next question. Uh, Yanel says, so somebody like me starting out, I started with a mentor just this week, five ad set, only one was profitable. So to understand, I should relaunch with no interest targeting. You know, I would relaunch with one ad set. I would have that ad set be dynamic creative just to find out what ad does the worst, what element in that does the worst and get rid of it. All you need to do is remove bad choices so you have better and better choices and spend every single penny against one big audience. The more ad sets you have, the dumber every ad set is. If you want to be successful, you cannot micromanage your employees or get in the way of their growth and education. If your business model is built on the back of you inhibiting your employee's success, you are going to fail. Five ad sets is a terrible piece of advice, especially when you're running. And if you have any other questions about this mentor, I'll gladly um, gut check their advice. And if they keep talking about, I'll, I'll put it this way. If somebody's solution is to make something complex, they're wrong. Bottom line, golden rule. The way that you solve problems is through simplicity, not through complexity. That holds true 99.999% of the time. The times where it doesn't hold true is basically because you're willing to lose and invest in that loss so that you can learn. And I've absolutely been there too, where it was like, I'm going to make a $10,000 lesson this week. We are going to do everything wrong to see if there's an edge that we can utilize to go forward. And to be fair, some of that stuff, I, I did that before. And, you know, now the idea of, um, now the idea of utilizing an influencer's own audience to scale uh, ads when you get content from them is a standard thing. But back in 2017, when we were doing that with like a six-figure monthly budget, nobody was doing it. Nobody was asking for page access to run ads to engagement audiences on influencers to scale incrementality into their own audience. That was, that was fucking crazy. Um, and now if you're not doing it, like maybe you should. Um, okay, great. Uh, let's see. Uh, Yanel says, you DM me now. All right. I like it. You know, I don't know where you're DMing me, but I'm going to absolutely check it out after this. Um, let's see. Uh, Carousel says, what's your opinion on duplicating ad sets for scaling? Um, that's a terrible fucking idea. Duplicating ad sets to scale your budget is basically saying, I've got an employee that's pretty good. What I want to do is get twice as many and make them half as smart. I would like to take the success that I have and then completely fucking tank it because a short win today at the expense of long-term success is a priority of mine. 
Um, now that is my hyperbolic way of describing it, but I also have a 15 minute long YouTube video that dives directly into why duplicating ad sets is a terrible fucking idea. Um, but in short, uh, spending money against yourself in a way that provides a non-scalable short-term solution is very, very rarely a good idea. There are some horizontal scaling tactics that you can run into for isolation. Um, and when you're spending three to $5,000 a day in a control campaign, you need incrementality. Talk to me about solving that problem and I will absolutely walk you through it. And that's 100% something that you can find in detail inside of some of the eBooks. And if you join Facebook to start school, we could absolutely walk you through that. Maybe if you want to be highlighted in that week's class, totally down for it. But if you don't have a million dollar a year run rate for your ads, it's probably a completely terrible fucking idea. Next question. Lenny says, does Facebook have any case studies from your work and their case study portable portal? I think you mentioned something and thanks a lot. Um, yes, they do. However, when you run case studies, they don't run on the advertiser as the employee. They run it on the brand. Um, and I, for NDA purposes, can't list every brand that I've worked with. But I can say that if you find case studies around creative testing inside of CBO, even what you see inside of uh, Blueprints, um, that's me. Um, also you can take a look at the implementation of CAPI, the conversions API, the case studies. There was several case studies there that were done and the how to manual built around an alcohol delivery service. That's me. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them going back, but yeah, it's generally built around the brand, not the advertiser. Um, but I would definitely take a look at things, um, most of the case studies have been around simplification and targeting, um, around strategies for testing, around uh, reporting and tracking, and around scaling methodologies. Um, and you'll find a lot of those. Where my where I don't have a lot of case studies are in engagement strategy and uh, community management and a lot of those types of things. Honestly, just because the clients that I work with and my students aren't generally in that business. And in order to have a case study run, you need to have a pretty close relationship with and multiple uh, reps and to be there. And honestly, that's just not the business model that a lot of my people are in. So I don't have access to them a lot. I did do a couple of case studies on chatbots to grow uh, communities. Um, so you can find some of those. But yeah, for legal concerns, I can't really name those clients because of NDAs. And um, part of the reason people hire me is because they don't give away everything. Um, and I respect that. And um, But I can tell you the topics of conversation and let you know that indeed I have worked on those pieces and offline I can kind of tell you some more stuff if you're interested. Um, let's see, Carazal, which might have the last question today unless there's anything else on Clubhouse. Um, or if anybody else, but I'm wrapping up the questions. So if you have them, raise your hand and I will answer them. Um, oh, let's see. Lady Hustler's got one. Awesome. Uh, don't you worry. I will get to you as soon as I get to Carazal's question. It says, what do you think of web apps such as Offio or Promo Video Maker for making Facebook creatives? Any of you tried and would recommend? Um, I've tried a lot. I won't speak ill of any. And I don't want to necessarily promote any. What I can say is the best apps 
are the ones that allow you to create, to, to make ads in a way that is comfortable for you and ultimately allows you to scale the creation of assets that you can use for your business. I don't care what app that is for you. What I do care about is that you are able to see success and replicate it. And there are a million apps that can do that for you. There is no such thing as this is the right creative or this is the right strategy or this is the way that you should be going or these are the correct types of creatives and these things are bad ideas. All of that is complete garbage. Any type of ad can work against any audience. What matters most is that you have a testing model that allows you to derive insights and then ultimately lets you replicate success and learn. So any tool that empowers that for you is a good thing. And so that is, um, that is uh, what I would say uh, for, for that. So I, I, I love a lot of tools. There's a million of them that are great. But I cannot tell you that any one of them is better than any other. The most important thing is that you are able to learn and to capitalize on those learnings. That's what's really important. I hope that helps. All right, let me see here. We got one more question. This one comes from Lady Hustler. Sweet. Uh, Let me bring it to the stage, and we'll let you close out the room today. How can I help? Please introduce yourself and let me know. Hey, it's Lady Hustler. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, This is the second time I hear you, and oh, my God, like my mind is almost going to blow up with all the information you're giving us. So thank you. First of all, I want to interview you inside my Facebook group for my lady hustlers. Would love to. Awesome, Because I have not one question, but way too many. DM me and I would be more, I would love to do that. And uh, I could also take that video and and share that as well with, with some of my network. That would be fantastic. If we can be mutually beneficial, then I have absolutely no reason to not take advantage of us helping other people succeed. Oh, yes. Especially, as you said, way too many people saying that they're experts, but God knows they're not really. Um, Second question uh, for my community, I'm asking that. They, for example, for all the course creators, uh, coaches, consultants, and, you know, first startup owners they created a low ticket offer the low ticket is working well organically and now they're thinking to go into facebook ads number one do they hire somebody from the get-go to get all of this together and run their first ads on their low ticket that has been selling organically or number two are they, do you really believe that they're capable to just study it by their own and make their own ad spend for the first get-go? Because, you know, when you're a startup owner, every penny counts. Back to you. Yeah, no, every penny counts in your startup owner. I absolutely believe in that. I, um, I'm a big believer in the idea that 
I try to understand everything, even if I'm doing it poorly, I want to understand everything that's going on and to learn from there. That way, when I do hire people, I can give them good direction and I don't get taken advantage of. Um, I do also think that it is extremely possible and absolutely a realistic expectation that somebody can set up an ad account in a little amount of time that will maximize their ability to see success. Um, I don't think there's anything that's truly difficult or requires any bit of um, deep dive or private knowledge that is inaccessible to the average person to get success. Um, so I highly recommend that people at least try on their own to get there. If they need help, there are resources for that. Once you see where your limitations are and you've learned what you can do well and what you can't do well, hiring people to work with you is absolutely a great idea. It all depends on what are your core competencies and what do you want to leverage and what are your objectives? The bottom line is if you have a very limited number of resources, you need to be the best person in the room on everything that you're doing. And you need to not invest in things that aren't worth your time. And the amount of money that you're going to pay somebody that is good, especially if you're just dipping your toe in the water, is going to is going to be extremely difficult for you to profit on right away for most people. So with that being said, I, I, I generally recommend that people get started on their own, get their feet wet, learn from things, and then from there, fill in the gaps or farm out the work. But if you're not intimately aware of how your business runs, it's going to be very hard for you to be very capable at making things better. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. I think it's very important to control every corner of your business before outsourcing. Um, but it's true that Facebook, you know, is a scary, scary boyfriend of ours. Sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. And if, if I can serve as a resource to make you more confident in that space so that you can then um, let, you can understand what mistakes to not make, that's great. Um, and, you know, I think that we can absolutely try to help some folks feel less scared about taking advantage of something that could absolutely change their life for the better. Amen to that. And we are definitely going to do that. I'll DM you later. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, please do follow up. I would love to do that. We can help your group out. I can help out other people. Let's let's make it happen. I'm all about it. Thank you. All right. So with that being said, um, let's see here. We've got one last question from YouTube and then I'm calling it quits for today. Um, remember, do your homework this week and you can join Facebook Disruptor School for 50% off. That will save you hundreds of dollars a month. I highly recommend it. Or you can get any of the eBooks from the site for 20% off. And, you know, uh, that's not a bad idea. You can also get my multiple, save 20% on every single one of them. Um, so it's up to you, by the way, if you join the school, you get all the ebooks included for free. You know, uh, uh, I don't charge admission, tuition, and for the books. Uh, if you get tuition, everything's included. 
Um, with that being said, you know, last question says, last question. I saw from this Facebook, from one guy I followed that Facebook and Instagram feeds are the most profitable, which is what they found after testing. So take out other placements. Um, sure. For them, in isolation, out of context, with auto placement, feeds are the best ads. You don't have the same creative. You don't have the same data. You don't have the same brand. You don't have the same uh, life cycle. So what works for you might be different. Also, and this is a big piece that's in actually the latest ebook, which, hey, look, do the homework and you can save money on that. Um, optimizing by placement is a terrible idea. Um, because part of the reason that placement is so profitable is because of the impressions that happen elsewhere. And because you haven't forced that placement to spend all of the money. So you have to understand that none of this stuff happens in isolation. It is a blended environment of contributors. And if you are not allowing this blended environment of contributors to ultimately do the best job it can by giving it as many of the best choices as possible and leveraging the ability for this machine to do its job, then ultimately um, you're going to lose by chasing short wins, which will ultimately be incredibly frustrating. And you're going to be one of the people that says, well, Facebook doesn't work. It takes all my money, all this other stuff. And you actually never bothered to just do what you're supposed to do, which is auto bid, auto placement, broad audiences, prioritize the customer experience. And don't live and die by one day's performance. Because you have a direction you want to go to in the next 30 days, the next 90 days. Have a three-month plan, a six-month, a nine-month plan, and then build everything that you do around that. Um, I'll be honest, the Facebook Ads MBA program, the last course of that program is your 90-day plan. And it's now that you've learned everything, what does the next three months look like? And let's stop giving a shit about good days today or bad days today because it doesn't matter. If you know that every month is getting better and go moving closer and closer towards your ultimate goal, then you're way less stressed out. You get way more time of every day and you make more money because you're no longer worried. You're not going to move mountains by worrying about the little pebbles. Ignore, don't sweat the small stuff. Because if you do, you're never going to succeed in the big game. And I'm going to leave it on that because that sounded pretty damn zen and I'm going to go with it. So until next time, everybody, uh, thank you very much. Hey, look, like, comment, subscribe, DM, everything. You got your homework for this week. I'm going to take 15, 20 minutes and then dive into Facebook Disruptor School for the class. You can get 50% off that if you do the homework this week. Please let me know if there's anything else I can do to be helpful and uh, subscribe and follow whatever, get your alerts set up because I don't necessarily always tell people when I'm doing this thing, but I'm going to be doing it regularly. And honestly, that's just because I'm a really busy guy and I cannot always schedule all of this stuff out. Um, but every weekend we do this class 
However, once football season starts, I'm probably going to move it to sometime during the week so that my Sundays can be spent with football and my Saturdays can be spent with my wife. See you guys on the internet.